Navigating the Datascape with Warner Chavez and special guests. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Datascape podcast. Today with me, I have one of Pythian's rising stars from New Delhi, Miss Mega Betty. Mega, how are you today? Hey, Warner. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So Mega is one of Pythian's cloud consultants based out of India. Mega, just tell people a little bit about you, where you're from, how long you've been at Pythian, what type of work have you been doing? Okay. So, hi everybody, my name is Mekha Bedi and I belong to Meerut, which is near New Delhi, India. Uh, I started my career with HSBC in 2018 as a software engineer in their retail banking and wealth management division. There, I got an opportunity to work on data on cloud project where I was involved in migrating legacy data warehouse systems to new cloud platforms. I implemented various data engineering and visualization solutions and worked on Google Cloud and majorly BigQuery, Cloud Storage, and Compute Engine. Besides the project work, I uh, also established a knowledge sharing platform called DataFi for the data analytics department, where I used to organize various sessions on GCP. And I also delivered a couple of them. Uh, with my project, I was continuously learning Google Cloud, achieved certification, and then with my fellow colleagues, I took the initiative of mentoring other employees on accomplishing the same. Then, after this incredible journey of nearly 2.3 years, I moved to Pythian as a cloud consultant in January 2021 where now I'm working towards modernizing and building enterprise data platforms and cloud-based solutions for our customers. So from beginning, I am into cloud and data. So I'm kind of hitched to data. And that's great. That. Cool. So so when you started at HSBC, you said, you know, a software engineering role. Was it data related from the start or were you doing other stuff? Like I, I for example, started doing dot net GUIs when I like that was literally my first job I ended up doing nothing like you know related to it but what was it data related from the beginning uh yes it was data related uh, from beginning actually uh, right after the graduation I landed job in HSPC and uh, in college I was working on Java Android dot net yes uh, and all the web technologies and when I was put into the first project, it, it was a data on cloud project. And I had to work with cloud and data. And basically, one time I was working on ETL. And other time I was working with BigQuery, total mm. BigQuery. And so this this was all data that I, I was working on uh, from really the beginning. And I, I kind of feel very, very proud to work on cloud and data. Yeah, I mean, it's a really hot space. So that's what I'm wondering if if this was something you planned from the beginning or it just so happened that way. Like when you were in school and then you were trying to apply to these jobs, were you looking for something data related or you were just, you know, trying out different fields of IT or how, how did that happen? So actually, this was unplanned. I was not looking for data specifically. Okay. Uh, in college, actually, it happens like companies come and you are uh, recruited in their firms yeah. and you choose 
which company you want to go to, but the projects that are assigned to you are not chosen, are not chosen by you. So that that way, I was very fortunate that I got a niche project, a niche team, and uh, on niche technology. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of very fortunate that I landed up the first job, first project in uh, cloud, and that too on Google Cloud because I I really admire Google Cloud a lot. Is there anything particular about Google about Google Cloud? Why do you single out Google Cloud as like your favorite one? As as I said, that my project demanded me working on Google Cloud, so I I started learning about it. I took foundational courses and specialization tracks on Coursera, not once, but twice and more to understand various services and infrastructure. its need and different concepts the first time it was i was not able to understand certain things i have to go through again and again to understand okay what this is this kubernetes kubernetes was something very different and kubernetes google developed kubernetes as well and now kubernetes is used by different is everywhere uh, yeah. other cloud, cloud providers as well and i was wondering about its progress how how intelligent it is how less hassle it is with no ops its infrastructure faster processing and scaling up and down automatically serverless architecture managed services these were the keywords i was i was actually looking into like what exactly it means so that way when you uh, kind of uh, explore a diff- a really new dimension or near really new sphere you kind of get interested in that and it took me to the depths of it some sometimes i didn't understand the coursera videos then i went to the documentation i love google's documentation i love to work with the ui it has i uh, so that's all that that kept me more interested in and, and how do you stay up to date now So yeah, there there is some uh, there's one uh, documentation page of Google Cloud where you have all the updates with date that this particular version came out. Uh, it is generally available now. It is in beta stage. Uh, what's going on? So there are a lot of uh, blog posts that goes on. And when I was preparing for the certification as well, so I watched couple of not couple of many Google Next videos as well. Mm-hmm. to get get to understand the concepts and what's new uh even when i was doing uh my last uh, google certification which was architect uh, certification it it the course really changed so the new services came in and you were expected to know all about those services uh for that there was very little content online so mm-hmm. i had to you know really dig up the internet to get as much information as possible on those resources because on those services because there were certain services that i haven't had hands on i haven't had really used that so uh, to actually digest what is there i had to go through many things uh, what were updated and also looking into the documentations and uh, watching google next videos help how do you plan you mentioned your certifications i know you have a really good blog post by the way if you're listening to this and you're thinking about doing the google uh, architect certification mega has a really good blog post over in the pythium blog that has a lot of resources about it how, but i want i want to ask you how do you plan your professional development you know certifications included of course but were you planning to get this one for a while 
do you think in you know the beginning of the year i'm gonna try to get these two three certs or you just like you know you wing it you see something that's interesting you decide to do it okay so uh my first uh my interest actually lies in more architecting solutions okay. rather than engineering yeah uh, i know my experience is low enough but uh but my interest lies in architecture so i always thought of even in certifications i always thought of going with architect okay. uh, rather than data engineer so uh, when i joined pythian uh, in 2021 then uh, i had a time for i had a lot of time to learn stuff okay cool and pythian gave me the opportunity and resources to learn and i thought this is the right time where i can uh, expand my horizons where i can learn more and upskill myself mm-hmm. and i i believe in learning each day one or the other i i strategize something like i have to learn this much and this much and recently i got aws uh, certified solutions okay, architect cool. so and and now i'm working on aws i've started okay. working on aws in the project Oh okay so, so now you're doing hands on with AWS as well. Do you find it easier now that obviously you learn a lot of the stuff from Google to kind of take those concepts and apply them to AWS or do you feel like it's like relearning a whole new platform? No no I I feel that uh, I was habitual to GCP using GCP interface but mm-hmm. when I moved to AWS it's it was very easy. It, okay. It was it was like i'm using gcp this concepts are same there mm-hmm. you have gcp gcp cli here you have aws cli uh, there you have bigquery here you have redshift and uh, i think there you have a uh, cloud storage yeah s3 so yeah. the kind of data flow and everything is the same do you think do you think one of them is easier to learn than the other like if somebody is trying to carve their own path in the industry kind of like how you have you've done and you want to give them some advice would you say either one of them is easier or just pick any of them and just go and start yeah i i would just say that you can pick any one of them the only difference if you speak of certification then the only difference i feel is aws has lot of services to cover lots and mm-hmm. lots whereas in gcp uh, gcp is also expanding but there are uh, less services as compared to aws so you have to digest less uh, uh, services uh, but i think more or less aws gcp either way if you go with aws uh, then you, then you move to gcp it will be easier Mm-hmm. and if you uh, pick gcp first and then you move to aws that's also fine it it depends on you uh, just more people... services you'll have to learn yeah aws sometimes it's a little bit overwhelming right the amount of things that's on there is pretty crazy what about the stuff that you're doing these days you're talking about you know a lot of the migrating legacy to new cloud do you see this is where a lot of the clients are going when they're talking about you know doing mostly analytics data work is it mostly just a cloud conversation at this point yes i think like i think that today the way enterprises are transforming themselves to data driven enterprises which is like different from traditional version of them the the need to seek ways to handle not only current scale but the exponential growth of data mm-hmm. together with the intelligence of making most out of it and faster processing and uh, also user experience uh, 
is something that makes organizations move to cloud mm-hmm. and uh, and yes there are benefits that are always mentioned that pay as you go model you don't have to manage uh, infrastructure it is no ops it's managed you don't need to take care of replication or any updates or upgradation it's all it, it google takes care of it or aws takes care of it so uh, that's why i think uh, uh, most of the companies are moving to cloud and uh, recently i wrote one uh, one blog on data data okay. a strategic asset in that blog uh, i specifically uh, mentioned that uh, many firms are migrating their platforms to cloud and the era when these firms will be done with focusing on the data platform and rather be focusing on the data driven decision making and start mm-hmm. using data as the strategic asset then then they'll realize the uh, power of the cloud platforms they are into like for example gcp it specializes in analytics and machine learning mm-hmm. because once you go through that era you have set up your data platforms and everything you have to have you have to make some data driven decision making some smart decisions uh, based on patterns in data so there they will uh, leverage these cloud platforms to transform them to a uh data driven enterprise real data driven enterprise yeah there's a big opportunity there uh most most companies are still in just ba- baby baby uh stage in relating to in relating to this right some of them are really still struggling just to integrate basic data sources um very few are already at the point you know where they have really robust analytics ai ml there's a lot of opportunity out there for sure what part of the whole data process do you enjoy the most for example you know some people like the data wrangling part of it you know taking different data sources and putting them together other people like data modeling other people like the data visualization part is there anything in particular that you like or enjoy more than the others I have worked on data ingestion I've worked on uh, data transformation also and worked on visualization as well so my visualization skills are very strong okay. so uh, I enjoyed that also but mm. at the same time I like to think more and transformation are is that part which makes you think more because when I worked with uh, one of my project in where I had to convert teradata sequels to bigquery compatible Okay. So we yeah. have to brainstorm the solutions because the architecture of Teradata legacy system is very different from BigQuery system. So how to inculcate the uh, the same functionality that legacy system already has and do not change it. So those were things that I was very excited about. But now, as of now, in AWS, I'm working on ingestion work stream. and i'm enjoying enjoying that too because that is on real time streaming that's on kafka that's really cool and you mentioned bigquery uh, a, a few times is it uh, are, are you a big fan of the product what are some of the major pros and cons that you found yeah i have a lot of experience with bigquery uh, like uh, in my whole career i have like around almost it will be like 4 years but uh one to one and a half years i spent with bigquery uh, as i just mentioned that i um 
used to migrate TerraTress SQLs to BigQuery and replicate the same functionality to uh, BigQuery. And I also worked on Google Data Studio, where I okay. used BigQuery as the source of data to perform analytics and build a dashboard out of it. So uh, BigQuery is kind of, uh, in GCP, it's a go-to date. I, I, I will say that, uh, of course, there are certain uh, conditions which has to go through that you select yeah bigquery is the right uh, solution for your data okay. warehouse or for your database but when when i worked mostly bigquery was the uh, database solution that was uh, a go to solution everywhere even if i had less data even i was doing poc with data flow or something mm -hmm. i used bigquery like ingesting some data on on cloud storage and then dumping it into uh, BigQuery. And nowadays, even when uh, companies are migrating their uh, data warehouses to the cloud providers, so if they choose G uh, GCP, most of the time it is BigQuery mm -hmm. for analytics purposes. So uh, also, I'm a big fan of BigQuery because it's very simple. It's simple to okay. set up, simple to manage. You don't have to worry about anything. It, it, even BigQuery CLI, it's very easy to use. Yeah, that's something a lot of people really like, right? BigQuery doesn't give you... It's, I don't know if you ever worked with Oracle. I always joke about this, but BigQuery is like the opposite of Oracle. Oracle has like a million different switches that you can turn on and off and, and tune up and down and all this thing. And it's BigQuery is the opposite, right? It's, it's almost like plug and play kind of thing. You just load it up with data and that's it, right? You don't have to do all this like super specific database tuning. Even with uh, like when we are automating stuff and using Python or something, connecting to BigQuery, it's very easy. Interacting with BigQuery, it's very easy. Uh, all the DML statements and how to carry out all, all those stuff, that's very, very easy to do. And Google also provides like MySQL, Bigtable, but most of the time, I, as I told, less data or massive amount of data, BigQuery is that go-to solution. In, in your experience as well, why is it that BigQuery works so well? Is it how it's architected? Is it the way that it works under the covers? Yes, so BigQuery is a serverless, fully managed, no-op service, which allows you to store a vast amount of data for analytics, and you can perform analytics over that data using SQL format. So this is very high level and simple. But you, if you go down and probe further, there's a whole, whole lot of stuff going on behind BigQuery. The Dremel engine, which executes the SQL, the storage engine, Colossus, uh, networking and uh, there's something uh, which is overlooked, which is a scheduler, which swings around resources from query to query. So uh, I would say this is the BigQuery architecture, the way it is built, uh, the promise of parallel distributed architecture, which mm -hmm. is different from MP MPP systems that actually harnesses the power of working fast. All right, so you mentioned some of the internals there of BigQuery developed by Google, the Dremel engine, the Colossus file system. For the listeners that are not familiar, many people, you know, they've used BigQuery, but they've never really taken the time to research in the internals of this. 
can you can you give us a little bit more information what what else do you know about this and we can kind of give everybody a glimpse of what's happening behind the scenes so uh i talked about uh Gremel engine and for storage i talked about colossus and the networking piece between the two so if i start with dremel engine so bigquery sits on top of dremel in terms of execution and scheduling so dremel is a query execution engine which orchestrates query by breaking it up into pieces and then reassembling them one way to understand this is that suppose there's a query master and there are a bunch of shards when the query master receives the query it processes it creates a query plan works with the scheduler and schedules execution on different parts of the query after this then it kind of schedules a whole bunch of shards to execute that query so the dremel engine turns the sql query into an execution tree where the leaves of the tree read data from the storage system and perform computation and these are the leaves where most of the heavy lifting is done and uh, that's why it is uh, it's also given a name which is slots and uh, even the bigquery pricing structure depends upon slots whether you your uh, enterprise wants a reserved pricing model or you want to procure certain uh, procure slots on demand okay uh, and when you uh, when you traverse this tree structure upwards it performs aggregation on the processed data and these nodes are called mixtures uh, now and these nodes are called mixers now the execution tree depends upon the complexity of your sql query uh, if it's a really really complex sql query then instead of traversing the tree multiple times a multi level tree structure is designed in which data can be passed to the next stage with the help of in memory shuffle uh, which in turn leverages google's network and google's network is jupyter network which we can i can talk about later okay. uh, this tends to increase query performance and gives much more flexibility on how to allocate resources so uh, using the sql query is highly parallelized not only this but uh, Dremel also dynamically allocates slots to queries on an as-needed basis, maintaining fairness amongst concurrent read users. So, as I said, like uh, it, BigQuery uh, pricing model also depends upon the as-needed basis. Uh, it depends upon the slot that you need. In the reserve model, you actually procure a certain fixed amount of slot, and in those slots only you have to run your queries. Uh, whereas in on-demand model, you have to uh, it, it with your query, the Dremel engine will decide how many slots it should allocate to the query. So mm. if if you come across a very very uh, complex query, it may be possible that instead of hundred slots, it, it's taking three hundred slots. And if if you have like simple query, it is taking like uh, it is taking fifty slots. Um, and and there is no one big compute uh, unit but a number of giant computing clusters uh, dremel is a multi tenant system and uh, queries are allocated to some of these clusters and scheduling is designed in such a way that a user can get 2000 slots per query right away 
So here, uh, by 2000 slots, I refer to the execution power of the Dremel engine. And 2000 is not the max, but it's a small portion. So that's about Dremel engine. And uh, now many systems, because I, as I said, it's a multi-tenant system. Mm -hmm. So there are multiple systems that run at the same times and queries are massively parallelized. So the jobs for the processing run for these processing run on Borg. Borg is Google's large, uh, large scale cluster management system. So when a query is hit, then it is the job for Borg, which consists of the scheduler to assign resources to Dremel jobs. This scheduler sort of deals with when to dispatch queries, then uh, when to uh, dispatch queries that are part of the shard, and it handles fault tolerance as well. When a large productions now, when a large productions uh, data center is running, myriad issues can occur. Um, your machine can crash, your power supply can fail, uh, shards might die, etc. In this case, uh, scheduler redispatches the queries elsewhere, which makes us immune, uh, which makes it immune to many kind of hardware downtime. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you're running like a really, really long query, just because one of the shards has an issue with compute, and let's say, you know, the node where it's actually running dies, your whole query is not going to die, right? Which would be really, really bad if you've been running like a query for you know, let's say two hours, and then just one small piece dies, and it kills everything, right? Yeah, I think I think Borg is the intelligence piece in this architecture. And Borg knows when, when are things happening, what kind of things are happening, despite so many running parallel systems. Mm -hmm. And in, in case of failure, it tries to repair the resource and restart it, and it, it makes sure that the the uh, resource that failed, it rejoins the cluster without impacting the performance of the query or without uh, extending the time it takes for a query. So I think I think Borg is the secret glue which keeps the Dremel engine going without any downtime. Did you want to talk about the storage file system or the networking as well? Uh, yes. So BigQuery uh, stores the data in column IO columnar storage format and uses a compression algorithm to store data in most optimal way so that uh, when it is reading large amount of data, it, it becomes faster faster and less expensive. Now, the way the data is stored in BigQuery, it, or in BigQuery or suppose any architecture, any, any uh, data storage architecture, so that architecture has to make sure that it has control over the queries that are being executed because it might create a problem or or uh, i mean to say it might give slower reads if there is some work, some work that needs to be done before mm -hmm. processing the parts of the queries for example you are storing your data here and there and then you have to organize the data better you have to create that hashes and then you will uh, process the query so it will take time so it has to it has to store the data in an intelligent way. So to achieve this control, BigQuery uses a column store where each column is stored in a separate chunk of the file. And whenever a query needs only, whenever a query reads only 10 columns out of 100 columns, it just keeps 
those 10 columns in the scope of execution. And it, it eliminates those 90 columns from the execution. And this way, it helps to compress better. It, it leads, leads less data. Uh, and a customer pays for, for the data which is only processed by the query and not the data uh, which is not processed. All right. Well, thank you so much for that insight into that. Uh, basically, we did a, a BigQuery deep dive into the architecture at this point. Have you um, done uh, anything in AWS at this point with some of the their MPP data warehousing stuff, whether it's Redshift or Athena or Snowflake nowadays is very popular as well. Are you looking into going into one of those or starting to learn one of those? So uh, I have, I'm just beginner in AWS. I have worked a little bit with Athena where I just need to, I need required to uh, visualize uh, the data which I had in S3. So I used Athena, but uh, yes, of course, I, I would really uh, like to uh, get to know about Redshift as well, because that is also a hot potato nowadays, just like BigQuery is. And Snowflake is also, uh, it's gaining some traction, many much attraction nowadays. So yes, uh, of course, I, I would like to know about Snowflake, but before that I would like to work on majorly on AWS focus on AWS as of now. What have been some of the biggest challenges you've had so far with some of these analytics projects? Uh, there was one thing in BigQuery. When I started working with BigQuery, there were many features which were not available at that time, which are now, now okay. available. Uh, one feature was there were no uh, temporary tables available then. And okay. we, needed we needed a functionality where we have volatile tables and uh, physical tables, but BigQuery only supported physical tables. So in Teradata, there is volatile and BigQuery concept of both. So we wanted to migrate it to BigQuery. And uh, we were thinking of custom solutions. So we had to uh, create a custom solution, which looked pretty messy at that time where we actually uh, differentiated the physical table. We created a volatile table as a physical table, but it was it would function essentially like a session table as in Teradata. But that table was uh, table was physical table. So that was one challenge at that time, okay. which we overcame. And uh, there were certain functions in Teradata where, which were not directly available in BigQuery. And also the precision which BigQuery offers in the float data type, that did not meet business requirements. So we had to compromise that. Uh, other functionalities, uh, for other functionalities, we had to write custom procedures which in the traditional data warehouse, it was not required. But because there was no functionality in BigQuery, it was required. Okay. Yeah, these were some technical challenges I faced. Yeah, so it seems like you definitely have quite a bit of experience with this particular combination of Teradata to Big uh, to BigQuery. Is there anything that you recommend? You know, there might be people that are thinking, oh, I have this big uh, legacy data warehouse on-premises already. I don't really know how to get, get it to the cloud. 
what do you recommend? How do people just even start looking at these projects? Okay, so uh, even when we look at the data warehouse, so it is essentially built up to perform analytics. So there are a lot of complex queries that goes on the data warehouse. At the same time, there can be a database, on-prem database, which is not really meant for analytics purpose. So I would say if it is not really meant for analytics purpose, then BigQuery might not be the right solution. It can be for structured data. It can be your MySQL, Cloud SQL, Cloud Spanner, or if you have some document database, it might be BigTable or some other solution. But BigQuery might not be the right solution. But if you have great volumes of data and you mm. want to perform analytics over it, then BigQuery is the right solution. Because this, we are talking about BigQuery doesn't mean every database solution or every database is, will finally converge to BigQuery in GCP, no. Yeah. That's not the case. It depends on it case by case. BigQuery handles massive amount of data petabyte scale. Cloud SQL might not be able to handle that much data. Uh, Cloud SQL has vertical uh, scaling and it is not horizontally scalable. If you want horizontal scale, uh, scalability, then go to Cloud Spanner. Less workloads, go to Cloud Spanner. If you want a low latency, low latency analytics, your your uh, preferences, low latency. You want analytics database uh, and you have not a massive amount of data, less data, but latency is your uh, your preference, then go to BigTable. But if you want to uh, run uh, complex queries over a huge amount of data on petabyte scale, and you want a visualization to be created out of it, uh, then BigQuery might be your solution. That's good advice for everybody that's listening. That's something else that people think, um, you know, back in the days, for example, uh, there were only like a few flavors of databases, right? Everything was either Oracle or SQL Server or MySQL. Now we have so many different ones. Each cloud provider has something else depending on your specific use case, right? Like you mentioned, right? There's there's a niche spot for Bigtable, a niche spot for Spanner, a spot for BigQuery, and people have to understand really understand when um, they should pick one over the other, right? What about recommendations for other young people? You know, they're trying to break into the IT industry. Maybe they're in high school. Maybe they just started college. Do you have any advice that you can give to those type of people? Uh, I would first advice is like uh, learning and getting knowledge is something that you should not stop. You should keep on learning and upskilling yourself. Uh, not only technically I'm talking about, I'm talking in the in holistic sense. So if you want to, don't sit idle, I would say. This, this would be my first advice. Uh, and if a person is wanting to start a career in cloud, in IT, then I would say that uh, try to pick up one cloud, get your concepts clear, underlying concepts, study the services, uh, try to get some training. There are a lot of uh, courses, videos, uh, archives available on the internet and try to do some certification so that 
you have a market value that yeah you know this stuff uh, then uh, you can actually apply for the jobs uh, related to this particular role cloud data engineer and then you can go into it okay and i assume i think i am correct you work from home full time right yes do you like it you rather work from home than going to an office um no i i would yes i would rather go to office you rather because, go to an office okay yes it's like i i want flexibility whenever i want i i must go to office whenever i want to work from home i should work from home okay so so you would like you would like to have a choice yes yeah see there's some people some people that don't care about going to the office at all right other people don't want to be at home and a lot of people are like you i guess you would do like maybe like two days home three in the office or the other way right three at home two in the office something like that yeah yeah i first of all i think there's some discipline which is maintained while you are in office uh in 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 home yeah you are like uh you are available all time to work mm, yeah, and you have problem. laptop in your hand for each and every stuff but and second you get to meet people you get to meet people you get to interact them personally and this this helps you in your growth so that's why i feel that there should be hybrid model where we can go to office as well and work remotely do you have any advice for people that work from home it's kind of like what you say to try to build that discipline be productive yeah, for, try to be social even if it's remote right yeah i will uh, my maybe some people won't like my advice <laughs> that's okay it's your advice so, so to uh, try to be disciplined uh, even in your home i would say like uh, it's very important to do workout so you have to have some kind of discipline where you uh, work out for at least half an hour uh, and because if you sit for long hours in in home because sometimes it it stretches somehow because you mm -hmm. don't have to commute commute to office you you have you might convert the commute time to uh, the screen Just more, time more work time yeah so don't let that happen uh, try to keep uh, yourself upbeat second is try to uh, take out some time to uh, upskill yourself the third one is uh, even if you are working from home act like you are working from office you dress properly you you uh, when you dress properly you feel uh, good about yourself uh, if you like do not dress uh properly you're like uh, lame you become late uh, lame and you have that laid back attitude try to switch on your video okay okay you... that's interesting all right so right now i'm wearing a hoodie so i need i need to take your advice I'll, uh <laughs> my wife is going to be really confused on monday we're recording this on a friday she's going to be really confused on monday when i go to the basement with my uh, with a nice shirt but that's okay i'll tell her i'll tell her that was, uh, that was yeah. your advice my uh, my main point was that you must feel good about yourself so that you it keeps you upbeat and it keeps you productive yeah i do agree with you for sure though that sometimes when you're working from home the the time does kind of like blend in right and you end up putting in a lot or you end up being 
available to the point where it's kind of unhealthy too. And it is very, very important to move, right? To your point, we're sitting so much. Uh, and this is not just work from home. Even if you're in working from an office, IT workers just sit way too long, right? It's, it's kind of unnatural to sit for this long. Uh, everybody needs to take breaks, move around, right? Get some, uh, get some movement going. There's a lot of IT people that later on in their careers their backs you know give up on them and they wish they wouldn't have been sitting down for like so long periods of time right it's just not healthy so everybody listen to this advice this is this is good stuff thank you mega for joining me today and thank you for everybody that was listening until next time bye 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 Navigating the datascape. <laughs>